Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek, and today I'll be interviewing Citrus County School Board member Thomas Kennedy about a flap that the district is having up there over a recently passed law regarding students and the Pledge of Allegiance. Let's take a listen. I really do appreciate you talking with me because I wanted to hear more about the issue that's going on in your district with the Pledge of Allegiance. It just sort of jumped out of nowhere, and, and it sounds really interesting. Not a problem. I, um, it, I think it's jumped out of nowhere with, with some of the people in the public, but it's actually something that's been going on for a year, um, as, as you may be aware. Um, one of the things, if you don't know, Citrus County Schools is one of the first Purple Heart School districts in the entire country. What does that mean? What is a Purple Heart School District? Purple Heart School District means that we, we uh, have a very large Purple Heart um, recipients that retire and live in Citrus County. And they came to our school district um, and asked if we would be interested in um, um, their organization reviewing our status as a community, as a school district, to be able to um, award us that first designation. And so things that were involved with that were um, we have a very strong Veterans in the Classroom program where every year we have veterans that come into the classroom, um, and we're talking from elementary age students that uh, they visit with all the way through our high schools. And that program has... Um, has been something very special to a lot of uh, these these Purple Heart and veterans organizations. And then we have um, uh, put in, even in our district, a very a strong wall of remembrance of fallen heroes in our school district uh, that line our district um, from the moment you come in with their pictures, with uh, their service uh, to our great country. And then... Uh, at each of our schools, we actually fly the uh, national MIA POW flag. Um, at each of the schools, we have um, also special veterans parking um, for uh, wounded warriors. So it sounds like you have a whole variety of things going on that are positive and and patriotic for veterans. And, and how does that tie into the Pledge of Allegiance, though? Well, so... When it's come to the Pledge of Allegiance, we've certainly been a school district that uh, in the past has always taken um, the Florida statute um, as, as, as being able to encourage that our students stand um, when the pledge is given. And the, the, the point of that was, as we would with typically any um, sign of respect at that time, um, to be able to just stand, you do not have to say it. You do not have to put your hand over your heart. Last year, um, that was that had continued to be statute, but last year there was a change in the legislation, which probably caught many school districts maybe off guard when it took place. Um, the communities didn't seem to know it was happening, but it really was something that stemmed back from. Um, 
a lot of people think it was 2000, I mean, that it was 1943's uh, Supreme Court decision. But really in Florida, we had a more current decision, as you may or may not be aware of. Um, Frazier um, versus Wynn, which happened in 2008, which basically uh, was the U.S. 8th uh, Court, Supreme Court of Appeals, uh, decided that a, um, that a student did have a right to not have to stand, and it, uh, it affirmed that. It also did affirm um, that a parent has a right uh, to actually um, interfere with the wishes of that child. And in the, in the um, opinion, it says that uh, we also recognize that a parent's right to interfere with the wishes of his child is stronger than a public school official's right to interfere on behalf of the school's own interest. So it's, a, it's an interesting dichotomy that happens there, and one that as a parent who has two children in the school, public school system, um, I, I have to say that I also then have to respect a parent's wishes. And so last year, Florida, um, the Florida legislation in uh, HB 7029, which happened to be an educational train bill, it added that language. Now, if you don't know, it was actually added into the in previously there was a uh, House Bill 1403 and a Senate Bill 1600 that that added that um, that language to I think clean up legislation uh, to correspond with the court's opinions. So let me ask you this: Did when did did um. Something happen in your district specifically to make this issue come to the fore? Because otherwise, lots of legislation gets passed that people know is there, but it doesn't really impact anybody the way that you're having this huge debate now. No, that's a great uh, point. Well, when they passed the uh, HB uh, 7029, what it did was it required school districts in law to publish notice in a student handbook or other publication, we kind of refer to those as a code of student conduct, the permitting that a student may now sit during the pledge, but it, that it does require a student's written, I mean, I'm sorry, a student's parent's written permission. But one of the differences was is that it didn't just pass it in statute, it now required local school districts to have to add that to our code of conduct books. And if you're not familiar with code of conduct books, they are policies. Uh, school boards have to follow the rulemaking process for those uh, for language to be put into those books. So all of a sudden, school districts around the state have begun having to start adopting that language in their code of conduct, um, in their policies, and in some cases both, depending on how the school districts um, operate. And that's where the difference, I think, is, because, like you said, a lot of policies, a lot of students' rights that courts decide or that are made statute, they're not published everywhere. They're not necessarily required that we have to, you know, state every right that a student has. Um, but in this particular case, for some reason, the legislature decided they wanted to make it clear 
that a student does not have the right to stand, I'm sorry, has the right to sit and does not have the right, the requirement to stand during the play. So then did some parent read that and say, oh my gosh, this is abhorrent and I'm not going to allow this to happen? Or did a school board member say, why are we doing this? Well, a little bit of all of that. Um, when that came about, um, we we live in a community that is a very more conservative community. Um, you know, to just give you an example, our Veterans Day Parade is one of the largest Veterans Day Parades in the entire East Coast. Um, we actually are encouraged by our community to have our students take off that holiday so they can participate in it. So our community is very involved and interested um, in, the, in issues that revolve uh, patriotism and are uh, uh, upholding our, our national um, Pledge of Allegiance and, and our flags. So there was media reports that went out. There was blog reports. And social media kind of lit up. Um, and I think that for even myself as a board member, you know, last year when we talked about this and tried to make people aware that this was put into the bill, um, it didn't seem to, to resonate at that time. All of a sudden, when we have to pass it locally in policy, the, the frustration, I think, as a board member came is that it looked like the school boards were unilaterally doing this and deciding on their own that they were going to no longer require students uh, to stand for the pledge, which was the statute, uh, Florida statute, up until 2015 uh, or through 2015. So now school districts were kind of out there being... Um, it, it being portrayed that it was us that was doing this, that we were the ones that were being less than patriotic in our approach, or in some cases, that we were not being following the law of the land. So, so now what happens? Are you, are you disobeying the statute? No. We will, what we, we did is we, of course, we are sworn officers of the state. We are sworn to uphold the state constitution and the federal constitution, and we will do that. What is challenging is to say, how do we do that by also necessarily not always feeling that that, that we may personally agree with every law? Um, and so in this particular case, in the verbiage, um, we have entertained and we've asked staff to come up with verbiage that meets the requirements, and we've asked our attorney, that meets the requirements under statute, but but specifically um, says something along the lines of, as required by the legislature um, in Florida statute. Now we, and then, and then explain and then go on to say students have the right, and then as the rest of the, the requirement under uh, the statute applies. Is that causing any angst among anybody, or does that seem to be acceptable? Well, the, the board as a whole, I think the consensus was that they were not happy that we were having to add the language in general to our code of conduct. Um, that didn't mean that we would never have uh, upheld it. We, of course, would have to have always upheld it. But by putting it in the code, it implies that you know it is something important to this school district or this school board. 
And I don't think that this would have been necessarily how we would have approached it had the, the statute just changed but didn't necessarily added any verbiage about it having to be in writing and published. Since it does require that, we, we're going to do it, but we're not necessarily uh, happy that that's what that we're being forced to do. And I think that given the fact that it seems like every legislative session, more and more local control is taken away, is, is what it just falls under again. Decisions that we believe need to continue to stay local or not. Now, obviously, a court decision is one that transcends a school board's, you know, policy making. But how we go about disseminating that information is a choice that we, we still have in how we make. And I would absolutely expect all of our teachers and administrators to adhere to the law. But I, I don't know that we would have made sure that it was bolded in bright letters and it's clear um, any more than I would many other, um, you know, different issues that are within, uh, you know, that, that, that are rights that we all have every day. Um, you know, I don't walk outside and, and there's signs everywhere that gives me the rights. They're usually things that prohibit and to warn you that something is being prohibited. Um, so that's where I think that there was a, a difference in, in, in what was taken us back. Um, and in particular, we didn't ask for this to be done in the way it was, but the community as a whole really thought this was the school board that was was deciding this. It seems like even when we're talking about issues like this, the legislature seems to, seems to pop back up all the time. It's almost as if we have a legislature that is a super school board sometimes. Well, that's, that's of course, something we have struggled with, and we're, we're going to continue to struggle this legislative session as it comes to an end. Um, I, I think that, that we, we live in a great country where we have great freedoms, and you do have, unfortunately, the freedoms to sometimes make poor choices. And I think that we've been a district that certainly doesn't want to encourage making poor choices. And that's where I think our fear has lied. That's the end of our interview. If you want to participate in this conversation or any of our others, please visit our Facebook page at Tampa Bay Times Gradebook, and you can follow all of our news and updates on our blog, tampabay.com slash gradebook. Thanks again for listening.